This is The Exchange, humanizing commerce through post-purchase connection. Over the last year, I've been seeing more and more e-com brands start to experiment with marketing channels that many of us in the past would have said are maybe one, no longer effective, or best used by large and very established brands. Those channels are things like billboards, out-of-home ads, and sports sponsorships. Today, we're going to talk about that last one, sports sponsorships. And because I'm a Canadian, and my guest today is Canadian, we're going to dig into that stereotype and talk about a professional hockey sponsorship. Our guest today is Aaron Spivak, co-founder of Hush Blankets. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Now, Aaron, this isn't your first time on the show. We've had you on the show once before. I think the last time you were here, we were making predictions for 2021. And I think your prediction was content is going to be the game changer for e-com brands in 2021. And my prediction was that this is the year where digital advertising is going to take a backseat. I think we were both right to some extent on what's, <laughs> what's going on right now. Um, so I'll leave a link for people to go back and listen to that one. But for anyone who didn't hear you come on for the last one, uh, you want to give our listeners just a quick overview of what Hush is all about? Totally. I mean, Hush is, Hush is unique. So in 2018, we started um, as the world's first premium weighted blanket, taking care of all the things that were wrong with the gener general ones, like the weight distribution and the sizes and um, the hot heating and cooling, which is a huge thing. But more recently, we've transformed into a sleep brand, uh, really just creating innovative products that actually work. Uh, isn't just foam or memory foam or lavender and things you see. Products that are tested, that that are built, that, that unfortunately take us so long to build because we want them to actually work and provide people with a restful sleep, which is ultimately our goal. Yeah. And sleep is super important to everyone. And it's definitely important to professional athletes. So was that idea of like creating a sleep brand and associating that with sports? Like, did that, did that have anything to do with this decision? And actually, I guess we should rewind for a second to let people know what we're actually talking <laughs> about here. So Aaron, you want to let people know um, what Hush decided to do with the Montreal Canadiens in the NHL? Yeah. So, I mean, interestingly enough, we probably get pitched these types of uh, out-of-home advertising, you can call it, or sports advertising, a uh, hundred times a month, if not more. And 99 times, either A, we can't afford it, or B, it's just like not something we're overly interested in because we're a direct-to-consumer brand, so a lot of you know our advertising is online. It's very digital-based. Um, but the Montreal Canadiens was very unique in the sense that when they approached us, they approached us in a way where they weren't just trying to sell us a spot. In fact, when they originally approached us, they didn't have a spot for us. Um, they just kind of messaged us and said, hey, like, we don't want another tequila company or a credit card or the standard you see everywhere or, or Subway or in Canada with Tim Hortons. Um, they didn't want just another generic advertising. They wanted something different. They wanted to show advertisers that they can work with anyone, big, medium, or small. So that was very intriguing to us. The funny part, like I said, is they had no spot. They're like, we don't really know where we're going to put you, but we want to work with you in one way or another. Um, and then uniquely enough, a few games into the season, these banners that have, because there's no fans in the arena, they put these seat covers, I guess we call them. And those were all sold. And 
there was no spot there. But Montreal Canadiens had their own spot behind Carey Price where they put their logo. Um, and after a few games, they actually came to us and offered us um, that logo. And the idea behind it was that we can protect, we can cover Carey Price because he plays two periods of the game in front of that logo, uh, which was all very interesting to us, but we just couldn't afford it. It was just like, this is way out of our budget. Um, and then another game went by, and they came to us and said, hey, you know, we really want to work with you. How can we make this work? And we were able to put together a deal that ultimately was a media buy. It was just a really good deal, and, and the viewership was there, um, and it was a good test. It was, it was expensive enough where... Uh, we weren't stressed about it and, and didn't have to immediately produce an ROI, which is very hard to track. And I'll get into how we did that, by the way. But ultimately, it was it was just a media buy that now has transformed into something way bigger. Yeah. And uh, these seat covers, I'll, uh, I'll post a link to a picture of this. I actually, I think I sent it to Aaron the other day. It came up in my Instagram feed. It was the Canadians celebrating, clinching the series, and they're just celebrating right in front of the Hush logo, which I thought was unreal. <laughs> so we'll talk about the ROI, but ignoring like the metrics, like how, you said it's kind of transformed into something bigger. Like what has this, what has a sponsorship meant to Hush? Like what have you guys seen? How, what's kind of the feeling been like since you got into this? Cause I know like, the Canadian. So for people who aren't hockey fans, if you asked me at the beginning of the season, if the Canadians were going to be in the Stanley cup final, I would definitely be telling you no, but here we are. So you have a sponsorship with a team that is now in like playing for a championship. They're the lowest seeded team to ever uh, compete in the Stanley cup finals. So, I mean, it's, it has transformed to something because they've had an incredible playoff run and, and funny, funny enough, up until the series against Vegas, the Canadian government uh, was not allowing American teams to come in. So the way the hockey season was played was Canada versus Canada, U.S. versus U.S. the whole year uh, with no overlap whatsoever, which was a huge reason actually we did this media buy is because we bought, uh, we were formerly hushblankets.ca, and like I said previously, we're kind of becoming more of a sleep brand. So we bought hush.ca as a domain and we were sitting on it for like six months because we had no effective way of launching it um and we had a bunch of other launches planned so we kind of put it on the back burners uh it had a redirect and then this opportunity came up and hush.ca ca being canadian for for short for canada um we used this ad as an opportunity to A, launch the domain in Canada because Canada was playing Canada. So every single game was against another Canadian team. And then B, we exclusively only let this banner act as the source of traffic for this new domain launch. At least I think we did it for two weeks. So for two weeks straight, we were actually able to effectively track who saw this domain because the only way you knew about Hush.ca was you'd have to watch a game and then go on your phone and find it, and, and, and then you'll get redirected to Hutch Blankets. And then eventually we did the translation. But we were able to see the impact right away, and which is really unique in most out-of-home advertising because otherwise, I mean, we don't need to get into attribution, but it's impossible. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it just formulated into something really cool for us that made sense. Um, and then little did we know, 
you know, a few games before the end of the season, they were actually not supposed to make the playoffs. Um, and they got quite lucky with, I think, Ottawa and Calgary losing. And uh, they ended up coming in as at the last seed and playing Toronto, which was very lucky because Toronto has the number one viewership in all of hockey. Uh, and then they won seven games, which was even luckier than they won, which was, I mean, st- people still can't believe it. I think it was, was a game seven Toronto Montreal, I think was the highest viewership of a playoff game in history. It was, it was, Am I correct? Game six. It must be, funny it must enough. be up there. Game six. Okay. <laughs> it was funny enough. I was there actually <laughs> for game six. But um, yeah, game six. You know, funny thing about the NHL is it's not a very big league. It's just not. We don't need to get into, maybe we can speak with their marketing department, but <laughs> it's not a very big league. So when I saw the viewership on on game six, which was, I think, 10 and a half million people or 10.7 million people, I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. Um, and then when I saw the stat that that was the highest, the most watched game of all time, um, I re- I reminded myself, I mean, yes, we're, in the, we're talking NHL here, so... Um, yeah, we were fortunate to be a part of that. And Game 6 was in Montreal, and um, I think three, I think all three goals, yeah, all three goals were scored on uh, the net that we cover. Uh, over, the overtime goal was scored on the net that we covered. Like, uh, I think somebody messaged us the other day saying, like, do you guys have a horseshoe up, up your ass? Because, <laughs> like, you just keep getting, like, you know, even the OT goal against Vegas, like, out of all the areas on the ice, they celebrate right in front of our banner. Um, but honestly, it's, it's been very fortunate. Yeah. I think one thing, like we, as Canadians, we see the NHL as huge because like we, we love it so much here, but when you think about the viewership kind of like globally and outside of, outside of Canada dips a bit, but 10.5 million people, that's, uh, that's a, that's a lot of eyeballs. And like you said, the, the, I think you guys have been front and center on like every major moment for the Canadians here on this, like, I'd call it a historic run. And you said there, like, we use this buy as a way to launch the new domain, to go from hush blankets to hush.ca. And you said for two weeks, and I'm assuming this was before the playoffs, that that you had this two-week period where you're only letting people find you that way. What did you guys discover there when you were only letting people kind of like see hush.ca on that banner and then hit the site? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, there's a lot of traffic coming through. Um and and it was funny because when we did this play, I mean it's it's tough to use out of home advertising as a traffic play because you are asking people to do a lot. You're asking them to remember the ad, to then take an action on the ad, and like it's quite a, it's not like a digital ad where you just click it. So we didn't expect it to be a traffic play. We expected it to be more of a branding play and and, and an awareness. Uh, which is like safe terms for marketers so you don't get penalized <laughs> by people. It's like, well, there was good awareness on it. Um, but honestly, it was, especially in the beginning, there was a ton of search. There was a ton of traffic that came in. I wouldn't necessarily say that um, we immediately converted on that traffic or we saw a huge increase in sales. Uh, but I would definitely say trackable, there was a, a really large amount of traffic Funny enough, there's a lot of like people thought we were like a like an Ashley Madison, like a cheating website, like Hush.ca. <laughs> so, so there was a lot of there was a, 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 a huge amount of curiosity searches coming in, which was great. But um, I mean, as as it's, it started to progress and progress and progress, um, 
many people who didn't know about us now know about us. They know what we sell. They know who we are as a brand. Um, we've had a huge emphasis, like we spoke about earlier in the year, but we've had a huge emphasis on building community and uh, kind of really creating a two-way two-way conversation with a lot of our customers, uh, which is very difficult to do at, at scale. And, um, you know, throwing more people into the mix is exciting, um, but it's different. It's really, really different to be associated to a sports team because you get some haters too who don't like the sports team. So you got to kind of play both sides of the fence. Uh, but now that they're the sole Canadian team and it's really just one-on-one, um, a lot of people who weren't originally fans are now fans and just being a part of that. And like, again, we're still super lucky because the playoffs is not something that we're even guaranteed. I mean, at any point in time, the the government could have opened up the arena to full capacity and RC covers are gone. Like, see you later. Um, and they haven't. So there's just so many things that had to fall in place that have fallen in place uh, for us that have been really beneficial. It's really interesting. You talked about the community there and like the association with a particular team gets you some haters and gets you some fans. Like, did you maybe talk a bit about that? Did you see a lot of people kind of like hating on Hush because they were associated with the Canadians? Like they broke, they broke my team's heart. So like I can see a lot of <laughs> Toronto people being, a, being a bit upset. I mean, it was, it was interesting because we were very close to actually doing a deal with Toronto um, and that didn't work out and in our head. We're like, oh, like, you know, they're going to go so far in the playoffs and they have, <laughs> they have the right team this year. And, you know, but um, I would say when they were playing Toronto, for sure. Um, but, you know, hockey is interesting. It's a very um, it's a very respectful sport. And the fans are not as aggressive. Uh, I wish I would take that back. Other than Montreal fans, the, <laughs> generally the fans are not. The Montreal fans are extremely passionate. I think if we sponsored like Toronto, then we'd probably get a little bit more hate. But um, no, I, I wouldn't say we got too much hate. I think while we were playing in the playoffs, there's a little bit of like back and forth and stuff. But you know, we we're we're an interesting group because we're sponsoring Montreal, but we're a Toronto-based company. We live in Toronto. Like we're actually Toronto fans, um, but for sponsoring the Montreal Canadiens. So we get to play both sides of the fence. Too funny. So you talked about like, hey, the playoffs aren't guaranteed. Like any at any point, the seat covers could have come off. So like, has there, have you seen, has things gotten better and better as we've progressed here? Like you talked about, you've been able to see up, like, actually, I guess that's question number one. Like, are you able to see upticks in traffic during like game slots? Like when you go and look in your analytics, are you seeing like a spike while the game's on, kind of comes back down next time they're playing at home, we get another spike? Definitely, yeah. Like whenever they play at home, um, there's definitely a, a spike. I would say the spike was bigger when we first uh, did it. Now there's a lot of like like fans who are watching the games consistently, so they've either checked us out already or they know what we're about. So um, it's more about when we're playing new teams. So like, you know, when we played Vegas for the first time, then we were getting a ton of traffic from, from the U.S., from people who were like, oh, I've, I've, they've never watched the Habs before. So it was like first... Like sticker shock almost, um, and we we're gonna we're gonna get the same thing when uh, they play on Friday against Tampa. So it's it's a little bit of both. I would say that uh, every game there's an uptick. How big of an uptick is also interesting, but it's definitely it's definitely trackable. Like the the increases there uh, every single game. And I know that 
from previous conversations on our last podcast, we talked about like a big chunk of your business happens in inside of Canada, like as they've progressed and they start playing some of these American teams, like, are, is this, has it become like a little bit of a gateway into, into the American market at all or not really? I was seeing the, the U S increase definitely um, because of the team exclusively. No, but we're actively, we're actively growing there because We've, we've done a lot of legwork in Canada. We're going to keep it going. But in the U.S. is interesting because the lack of education around sleep and um, the awareness isn't there. And it's, it's fun for a younger, uh, smaller brand like us to come in and educate. And like these games that are showing up on you know, ESPN and NBC uh, and CBS, like we're just driving an insane amount of traffic to, to our Canadian site. And then we redirect them to our American site. And it's interesting to get that opportunity to finally like educate and and bring them into our circle of of our small selection of products now seem to be bigger. But yeah, it's it's been a huge part of our play to grow in the U.S. for sure. You said like traffic's up. It's helped with the brand awareness. It's helped us like get associated with like the type of community that we, we want to build. If someone approached you and wanted you to do it again next year, would you do it again? That's a good, ooh, that's a good question. Probably not. Do you think it's because like a series of fortunate events happen this year and it kind of feels like serendipity to make it happen versus like, I don't know if like when things go back to normal and like, it's just the, man, I hate using the term normal, but like when that happens, like maybe it doesn't have the same impact that it did through like the serendipity of this year. Yeah. And and you have to look at what's available, right? So generally you can sponsor the jersey, uh, I don't know if they'll do it, but generally you might get a spot on the jersey. You might get a spot on the helmet. Um, and then you get rink boards. And then you can do in-arena in stuff like the the Jumbotron or something. And those things have been priced for decades. There's like, you know, a rink board is anywhere between ten and $20,000 a period uh, depending on where you're situated, more expensive if you're on the bench, less expensive if you're behind the net. Um, and they, those price sheets are, have been laminated and, and stapled many, many, many times. You're not negotiating those. Uh, and the same people buy them every single year. So that is an option if you want it. I would never buy a ring for it. I've, I've been to, to a couple games this season myself. I've watched many, many, many games. I don't remember a single rink board. Just not a good buy for me. The second thing, the third, the last thing that's available is an in-ice placement. So we saw Manscaped do one. We saw Crypto.com step in and do one. Um, many, many big, like Tim, like the same big guys do them. You can sponsor both corners behind the, on each of the goalie. And then you can sponsor the dots around center ice. And that's it. And then there's this new thing where they do these like digital augmented reality uh, sponsorships. So you can sponsor like the glass and then sometimes on power plays, they'll do like between the space between the blue line and the top of the circles. Um, all of them, in my opinion, suck. I maybe the augmented reality behind the net on the glass, but like they, that's a, that's a per period thing too. So all of those are extremely expensive and not ultra effective. What we got will probably never be available again. Yep. Actually, uh, might never, ever exist. It might ever never, again. ever. Yeah. It just might 
like really, really, yeah, unless like another wave or like something, whatever, you know, it's it's really not going to happen. And we covered, I think, like 250 seats. So it was like almost 3,000 square feet. It looked like, no. Yeah, it's it way like, bigger it was, it than anything thousand. you would get on the rink. Yeah. It was at way, like just the, the, the hustle.ca logo is the gap from, from, the tra- like the more than the entire trapezoid, so we can fit like six uh, rink boards. Just the logo part. Uh, it's a like I, when I saw it in person, I was like, oh my god, this is massive. Uh, they asked us if we want to keep the banner. I'm like, I don't know where I'm gonna where I'm gonna put it. It's huge. <laughs> so it's um it's an opportunity that will never exist again. Um, and ironically enough, uh, they had no price chart for it. So it was really an opportunity where we can work with them and create a partnership that was beneficial to both sides. Um, not something you can do for anything else they've been selling for, for 50 years. Um, yeah, so I mean, the answer is I wouldn't buy any other spot on the ice. And without having the spot that we have now, uh, I probably wouldn't buy it. Interesting. Now, is there anything else that comes along with it? I think I saw from your Instagram account, it was like, um, I think it was Carrie Price wearing one of the blackout masks. Like, is there anything else that kind of comes along with the sponsorship or is that again, serendipity, like that happened to, to be a thing? Cause you like, you guys gave them one or something like that. Yeah. I mean the players, uh, well, so one thing that's actually goes unnoticed is that another lucky thing was that the AHL team, the Laval Rockets, were forced to play in the same arena this year. So that was free. I mean, the, the AHL, the AHL team is playing there, and they had a, a, an incredible season. They really did. They had an incredible season, and I think they were, like, first place. Uh, and then when Cole Caulfield came up, he was playing with them, so they all the house fans are watching him in the AHL, and, um, and that was just included. But, yeah, I mean, Carey Price was interesting. When he was injured... Uh, he sent us a DM on Insta and he said like, Hey, like this hush thing has been behind my net the whole year. Um, I like, I'm at home recovering. I'd love to get a product. So we like immediately sent him a bunch of stuff and then trickling like slowly different players on the team started wanting it. And some bought it, some asked for a discount, some ended up uh, getting it for free. Um, and then now because they're traveling a lot, they all use like the, uh, our blackout mask. Uh, for the plane rides and and travel pillows, um, I mean it's it's really cool to actually be a part of the team because they're actually sleeping and using the products, uh, and it's not something that comes with it. To be honest, like it's not something that the Habs were like, "Hey, you guys want to send products to the to the players?" Like that's not a part of the deal. It was just like I guess they're practicing and seeing this Hush.ca like every single day. They're like, "What the hell is this?" And then they figure out who we were and they're like, "Okay, we want some product." So it wasn't only just working on the fans; it was working on the players too. Yeah, it was. The The players were, uh, I mean, when Carey Price messaged us, I think uh, our, our Slack channel just like popped off. They're like, no way. <laughs> I mean, it would have been an amazing home. feeling. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just like, hey, guys, uh, I've been seeing this thing behind my net the whole year. Uh, how do I get some? So That's amazing. And like, you guys obviously leveraged all those situations into like, again, there's no such thing as free advertising, according to you. But like having Carey Price talk about that, like, having a couple of like those images start to like pop up of the players wearing those masks. Like there's gotta be a ton of value in that for, for you guys as well. It's one thing to have your logo in the arena. It's another thing to have like the actual players be using your products publicly. Definitely. (laughs) I mean, 
Carrie's uh, wife, Angela, has, has an incredible following, and she's actually the one who posted it um, because people were asking when he was injured, like, what's he doing for recovery or how's he sleeping? And she was like, yeah, you know, he, he uses his, his blanket and his eye mask all the time. There's just been a yeah. There's been a lot of like really cool moments that have that have manifested from this partnership. Like, like I said, like I think if we bought a rink board, there's no way that any of this would have happened. I think if we got the digital ad, there's no way this would have happened. Like, it literally had to be a, a massive like forty by fifty banner right behind his net. Like, if we had it in any other spot, I don't think like, I don't think he's messaging the the tequila company asking for tequila or the water company asking for water. Like. It was just a really unique deal, and um, yeah, there's been like so many positive things that have come from it, um, and none of it we thought like none none of what is happening or has transpired. Like if you gave me a list of things, like say, hey, list all the things that are going to happen from this on day one, I wouldn't have written any of that. When you when you looked at it, day one, like I, I know we said like, hey, we probably wouldn't do this again, but like say someone's considering like another brand's considering a sports sponsorship. I think we're seeing it more, like definitely we're seeing it more often than we have in the past in our space. What would you be looking at? Like they, they you said a hundred people come and make these types of pitches to you. What are you evaluating those to say like, what made you say yes to this one when you start like looking at everything that's in front of you? You know, the Montreal Canadiens are, were, were interesting because they were really the only team and organization that cared and I, I, this might not be true for everybody, but at least the ones that we spoke to that really cared about who was advertising. Um, it's like, it's kind of like creators and influencers, right? Like some of them will just promote anything. Just like, you know, cut me a check. I'll, I'll do anything. And some will be like, no, nah, like, sorry, your brand doesn't resonate with my following and blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're very much like that. They really wanted a Canadian small business um, to be a part of their of their story, to be a part of their brand, um, and they were willing to make it work. They really were um, probably one of the best. And we've done a lot of out of, out of home advertising, like billboards and subways and whatever. And they are probably one of the best advertisers that we've or, or sellers that we've ever worked with. Um, they went above and beyond. Like we were asking for probably too much, and they they made it all happen. Uh, we signed a deal on Tuesday. They had it ready to go against the Leafs on Wednesday. Just amazing. Actually, we didn't even sign the deal. We just sent a text saying we'll do it, and they just made it happen. So, I mean, I, I honestly think that if it wasn't for how great they were, we probably wouldn't have done it. I think from that, it's look at the relationship you're getting into with who you're going to sponsor. here. Because, like, when you said, hey, like, you look at some of those influencers and, like, hey, like, cut the check and I'll do whatever you want. That's a really interesting way to look at this. Cause like I wouldn't have made the association between like a, a sports sponsorship and an influencer, but like I tell people that all the time, like you need to be very selective with who you end up working with. Cause you don't want someone who's just going to like, I don't know, jump on the screen for two seconds and be like, hush, yay. And then put it down. <laughs> right. Like you need to, exactly. you need to get into the right partnership. So, um, I think that's, I think it's really sound advice. And last question I'll ask you here is like beginning of this, we were talking about like all these different you called them hard to attribute ways of marketing out of home billboard. Like why are we seeing so many more D to C e-com brands try out these channels? Like I, I think we're seeing more this year than I've ever seen. I mean, the, 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 the truth is, is many, 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 many direct consumer brands 
who I would say are a few years in at least want to de-risk. It's, you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever else you're advertising on, Pinterest, if you're starting with TikTok, YouTube, they're, they're becoming increasingly risky. The reason why is because big money is starting to pour in. Uh, large, large, 100 million plus budgets are starting to pour in and they're increasing the costs for the smaller guys. And the smaller guys who are enjoying fishing in the lake uh, before anybody else and they were catching fish all the time now have these big guys with big fishing boats uh, you know, dragging their net across the ocean floor. So it's becoming uh, increasingly difficult and we need to diversify. Now is out of home more profitable? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think, uh, I think it's very difficult to, you know, run out of home and see a direct lift unless you're creative enough to, you know, run an, an ad in a specific community or a specific city and then track lift in that specific community, which is possible. I mean, there's ways of tracking lift. But accurately attributing specific sales is very difficult to do. Um, but ultimately, it's about building brand um, as and be as creative as possible. I do. I still think the creativity and and the content and what's produced and and how that is done will outweigh the channel. Um, you know, you can still be very effective on Facebook and Instagram if you have really good content, really good creative. You can still be effective on TikTok and Reels and Pinterest. It's all about the content that's produced. And that's the same with Out of Home. Like, I mean, when we ran our Out of Home ads uh, in Q3 of last year, um, you know, we ran an ad saying, you know, your girlfriend or your mom called and she wants a hush. Uh, and it performed well. And, you know, our, our, we didn't, we had it running every five minutes. Some people have their ads running every minute. Some people have their ads static, like they're all the time. Um, but most people run generic ads. So it's really about being as out of the box as possible. Try to get the most bang for your buck. But I think we'll see more of it. I think the, the separation between like retail brands and like direct to consumer brands is just going to like form into just like a brand and you're going to, Everyone's just going to be a brand eventually. The the de-risking off of like the, the traditional digital ads, I, I think that's why we're seeing this. And the creativity piece, you're absolutely right. Like I think there is the people who have found the ways to be creative with their content on like those traditional channels. Again, those channels are becoming way more expensive. They're becoming way more competitive. So like people are starting to move to the places where it's less competitive and they can be creative again. Like I've seen some, I've seen some very very impressive billboards over the last like i don't know let's call it four months i think my favorite one is at the beginning or this one's a little bit older but the beginning of the pandemic was like an orthodontist clinic being like there's never been a better time to get braces (laughs) like (laughs) people people are getting people are getting really creative with it and i think like the d2c the d2c brands that are moving into that type of like out of home billboard type advertising they're the ones who care deeply about brand in that experience and they they're not viewing it as like, a, oh, how many people are clicking on my billboard? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can't. You got to kind of put some money aside and and just run it and just push it as much as possible. And it's, I will say that uh, over the next 
We're in the seventh month now. No, we're in the well, soon to be in the seventh month. Soon to be. Seventh um, yeah, crazy. Holy smokes! I can't believe it. Uh, in in the seventh month of the year, with only what five left, I think the next five months will be transformative for advertising. I think more will happen in the next five months than ever before. Um, the last four or five years. I mean, I don't know if you're a Gary Vee fan. Are you? Uh, I listen to him every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. I used, I used to, yeah, I think we've all just, when we were younger, probably more. I used to be a huge, 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 huge Gary Vee fan. And now it's just like, he's just no time for it, to be honest. But when I was young and he was, he was, he was that guy uh, for me growing up. And four or five years ago, he said that, um, he said exactly what's happening now would happen. And he's like, eventually the big money is going to roll in and all the little guys are going to get squeezed out. And then I remember I asked him a question at his conference and I said, when are the big guys going to roll in? So, so we know. And he said, I don't know, but when it happens, it's going to happen really fast. Um, just like it did with Google uh, back in the 2000s. You know, Google used, used to be cents a click, right? You used to get a click for five yep. cents. Um, and then now it's $5 or more. And that's, that's happening right now with Facebook, Instagram, and the iOS changes and all like that. Um, do I think it's the end of the world? No, definitely not. I think we're going we're gonna to get creative and it's going to be unique, which is why I think the next five months are going to be amazing to see what goes down um, in terms of marketing, digital marketing. I've said that I, I've been talking to a lot of brands recently and I, I keep on saying like, hey, I feel for what's going on right now, but I'm also really excited about what's going to happen because of what's going on. I mean, like I'm, I'm the retention guy. So like I'm, I'm all about like, how do you maximize the value of your existing customers? This is what this podcast is all about. So the fact that like we can't rely as heavily on some of these traditional channels that we, that we did in the past, you're right. Like the last four years have been like this slow change is happening. And now all of a sudden this like slow ripple has turned into a wave and like, we're going to see what brands can do about it. And I think you're going to see some real creativity and some real change in the space. That's, I think the, who did I say this to? I forget. I, for, I forget I was telling somebody. Oh, I was, I was, it was at a school and it was, they were suggesting what degrees and, and paths to, to go down in terms of study that will yield the, the best return in terms of income or get a, actually get a job or whatever. And my, and my idea was uh, the most creative person will get paid the, the, will get paid the most and you can't teach creativity. So it's kind of difficult to to study it and whatever, but I still think that's true. I think the most the most creative people will win, um, undoubtedly. There's just no way around it. You knowing how to use TikTok and like knowing how to be functionally sound uh, is easy, in my opinion at least. Uh, but actually being creative is extremely difficult. Like delivery, like we all watch it every Super Bowl, right? Like, what are we watching? We're watching the best creative minds uh, go toe to toe. Basically, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We're not actually watching brands spend millions of dollars, and everyone always like, oh, how much did they spend? It's like that's not what we're watching. We're literally watching like thirty different people go toe to toe with their minds and the production and stuff. Everyone can do that. Like everyone can hire production companies and producers and whatever. But like, 
And sometimes the cheapest ad is the most creative. So money doesn't determine it. Uh, production house, location, product, none of that stuff determines the creativity. The creative mind determines that. And those people um, historically were well-paid, but I think moving forward will be the most important people of any organization. Um, and it's like, how do you even hire creativity? So the next five months are going to be really, really interesting uh, to watch how they pan out. Yep. Your creatives, your your relationship builders, the people who know how to connect between different people, like those those are the people who are going to be in extremely high demand in e-commerce, I'd say, over the next two years. Oh, yeah. And those people are probably 16 years old right now. So that's... Or, or, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's or younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those people are... We put up a job post because uh, we've been, we've been, I've been, you know, a big pivot for us has been working with schools to get to get that talent on board through co-ops or through internships or, or through post-grad and hiring them. Uh, and a lot of people are like, why are you going so young? You need professionals with years of experience. I'm like, no, I need people who spend 10 hours a day on TikTok uh, because they, 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 they get it. Like I'm on reels. I try to spend at least an hour a day on reels. And what I'm like, I'm, what I'm watching is like, I've like unbelievable. Every single day I'm on reels, I'm seeing a new trend and I'm seeing the same people execute on a new way of intertwining that trend into what their message is and to who they are. And it blows me away and they're extremely undervalued now. And like we, we talked a bit about the, the like rising price and like rising competition of paid advertising. The future is like take that spot and just like own it and make it organic. And that person who knows tech, like I, I don't know how many times I've had the conversation of TikTok is my favorite social platform, like hands down right now. And the reason is because like it gives me short things that are either entertaining or educational. I get it in like 30 seconds or 60 seconds. So like all these 16 year olds are basically learning how to create an organic story, one that they don't have to pay for. They're building their audience and like getting all like everything that's important out to the people they're building relationships with. They built a story, they built a narrative, and people are engaging with it in 30 second spots. Sounds like another thing that used to exist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Honestly, it's amazing to see. Uh, it really is. And kudos to the brands. Like we haven't figured out TikTok yet. Um, Reels, uh, we finally got Reels. We were slow to get the update for some reason, but we finally got it. We're, we're doing quite well on there, but we haven't figured out TikTok yet. But I see some brands that have, um, and it's been incredible to see. It really has. The way they kind of found that niche and just kind of have been pounding it. Um, but then yesterday, I was just doing a deep dive and searching up a bunch of brands, competitors, different like within the space, around the space. And like, and maybe one out of every 10 even had a TikTok account. So it's still very, very, very early on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's that's how we de-risk. We de-risk by, by moving to where people's eyeballs are going and to where prices are slightly, slightly cheaper. Love it. All right, Aaron, um, before we let you go here, is there, is there anywhere where our listeners can, can follow along with you? active on LinkedIn, Twitter, a blog, where can people learn more about you? Right now it's, uh, I'm, I'm mostly active on LinkedIn. That's kind of my, it's kind of where I am. Um, just first name, not last name. Um, you'll probably find me. Um, <laughs> that's pretty much it. I mean, Instagram, not so much, but mostly LinkedIn. 
All right. We'll get, uh, we'll get Aaron's LinkedIn into the show notes so everyone can, can follow along with him. I follow Aaron on LinkedIn. He's got a lot of, a lot of great insight on what's going on. You also get some teasers on what's coming on the hush side of things. uh, (laughs) If you follow on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. We got a good post coming up, I think today. Nice. (laughs) We'll put that, we'll put that one in too. All right, Aaron, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. That's been The Exchange, presented by Loop, the returns platform for Shopify. Thanks for listening.